Good morning. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to take them and turn with me to Romans chapter 7 as we introduce a new chapter. As we introduce a new chapter. Welcome, welcome. Yet not I, but Christ. Just pause on that as our focus this morning, and we would accomplish much. Welcome to Big Woods Bible Church this morning. Those of you that are here, those of you that are joining us online, a special welcome to you as well. I was struck this week by the calendar. I know it seems weird. You realize, like, it was this week coming up, almost exactly one year ago, if you recall, things were getting a little weird. I was watching an NBA game, and the players were warming up, and all of a sudden, they just were called off the floor, and they canceled a game. It was on Wednesday. And then, and then I heard they, they shut down Europe. There's no flights in and out of Europe. I'm like, how do you shut down Europe? Then it was the weekend at Evan and Amanda's wedding celebration that we, we know that it's this week, one year ago, the world shut down and the world, in a sense, kind of turned upside down. I think we would agree with that. You realize 12 months of us saying, yeah, we don't have a clue what's going on. Three months, if you recall, I stood here and preached on Sunday mornings to empty chairs, and you were like, I'm sure you were like huddled like this in front of your little laptop, right? Every one of you, every morning. Three months we were outside. And, and yet we just maybe now, maybe beginning to kind of peer through the bushes or things getting a little normal or not. I, I want to remind you that there was not one second, not one second of, of the past 12 months that our sovereign God was not in complete control of every single thing that was happening. And, and I want you to understand that as we gather this morning in his house on his day with his people, he is our focus. We don't have a clue and yet God, in sovereign reign and rule over everything and everyone, is just steering us. I believe, it's hard, I, I, I honestly believe, as difficult as it has been, as sad, the loss of loved ones. I think it's been a season for the church of Jesus Christ to be strengthened in who we are. Not, not just to understand who we are, but being reminded of who he is. And the plan that he has before us. And it's a wonderful reminder for us to focus on that which truly matters in life. Now our message before us this morning, I, I need to prepare you. It's, it's, it starts stiff, okay? It's it's. Binding. We're looking at the subject, uh, kind of as Kimber talked about, kind of, kind of stiff and binding. But just please hold on. There is good news. There is great news as we continue to build towards the end of this message. So I just prepare you for that. Let's bow our heads. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his help as we listen to him and Lord willing learn 
this morning. Let's pray. Father, we are amazed and grateful for who you are. As we now near a difficult anniversary, first anniversary, may we see you. May we understand that you've called us to journey for moments such as this. Father, I would pray that we not only would see you, but we would see one another. That we have a responsibility to care for and to listen, to pray for and to love others in a time that is so, so important for us. I pray, Lord, right now for your spirit to speak. May you, may you guide my words. May everything that is said and done be for your glory and your glory alone. Please help us in these next few moments together. We ask this amazing and wonderful, matchless name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Very brief, high-level review of where we have gone so far. We're introducing a new chapter. We have looked at this case that has been built from the Apostle Paul as he writes a letter to the church at Rome for the righteousness of God, the sinful, painful plight of mankind apart from God. But thankfully, there's good news. There is what? When we have faith alone in Christ alone, he offers justification. That means that you and I, uh, just as Matt said, as, as, as broken, as messed up as we are, we can still be declared righteous through the work of Jesus. That righteousness leads us to holiness, but you and I know we cannot do this alone. We need what? What has God given to us? It, it entails yielding to the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the people of God through a process. We learned what just recently called sanctification. This is the activity in which God literally liberates us or frees us from the power of sin. We've learned what? If justification imputes or credits the righteousness of God to man, then we know sanctification imparts the righteousness of God through man. We are being set apart, each one of us. We are being made holy through the power of God at work in our lives. Now I introduce chapter 7. We need to remember this. Chapter markings, verse markings, are not inspired, okay? Which means what? They did not exist in the original. So it's easy for us to think a new chapter, new subject, and that's not necessarily true. Today we're actually, we'll see that what? It it is a continuation of chapter 6 that uses these phrases and these words like what? We have been dead to sin. We've been crucified with Christ. We've been buried with him. Now what Paul does for us is he continues the application, the application of this word into our lives by us having been crucified with Christ. If we're crucified with Christ, we need to look at our own lives and think what? Newness. Being raised again, a new way of thinking, a new way of living. Today we'll look specifically at a new way of serving. And this is important for us. Why? Because in first century Roman church, there was an increasing influence, just believe I I think there is today, 
the, what, there used to be a Jewish influence to drag people back into a way of thinking that our salvation or justification is dependent upon our works. That still exists today. That's very, very prominent in churches today that, that, that our salvation is dependent upon some kind of external obedience or adherence to the law, the strictness of the law, just what I call the, the check-the-box belief system. What do you want me to do, and I'll do it. Dress the right way, attend church, Sunday school, memorize scripture, whatever. Check the box. Wait a minute. That's binding. Here's our text before us. The words will be in front of you on a screen, Romans chapter 7, 1 through 6. Or... Do you not know, brothers? For I am speaking to those who know the law. That the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive but if her husband dies she's free from that law if she marries another man she's not an adulteress likewise likewise my brothers you also have died to the law through the body of christ so that you may belong to another to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for god for while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code the word of the lord you can ask my wife wendy that i i have certain movies that i like this i can probably count them on one hand that i really like and what i end up doing is just watching the same movies over and over again because i just know how it ends it's exciting it has everything i just watch it one of those movies as I watch over again, is, is, I, I don't know if I'm going to be in trouble by admitting this or not, but it is, a, it is I don't want to say great, it's the story of the 12th century Scottish knight, whose name is William Wallace. If you recall, he led the Scots in the first war of Scottish independence, and it's depicted in the rather, we would say if we were in Scotland, just a wee bit embellished, movie starring Mel Gibson, Braveheart. I know there's groans amongst us, and, and we know that in the end of the movie, there's this culmination of what Wallace's willingness to lead his country through sacrifice. He, in a sense, dies as a martyr for Freedom, and as he literally, what, as he is, as he is literally being executed, his last crying, dying word. You remember this? What? Freedom! There, there's just this idea 
as, as his life was being extinguished, it was what? It was igniting something. It was a rallying cry for his fellow countrymen for their continued fight for independence and freedom. It's a powerful scene. Why? Because there's something with inside of us that longs, we long for freedom. Now, in William Wallace's case, what? It's, it's freedom from bondage. Or we would say freedom from this, this, this willingness to be absent from a subjection to foreign domination or a despotic government. It's what? We know that being captive or held bondage is a state of, of, of freedom is not being imprisoned or enslaved. So we understand this idea that we, we, we pursue this element of freedom. And yet what's interesting is that it seems to be an exact opposition to what we just read in chapter 6. Where there's this constant reference to us being slaves or servants to righteousness. And it's easy to say, okay, well, which one is it? Are we slaves or are we free? In actuality, what we have lying before us in our text this morning is a freedom that doesn't lie in and of ourselves, but it's a freedom that exists from the bondage of not just sin and death, but of the law through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. I often summarize what key element of the gospel with five words from Galatians chapter 5. Christ has set us Free, oftentimes referred to that. So we understand the per first point this morning is this, what I call the premise. The premise is what? The law is binding. The law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. And we've heard this much throughout, the all, throughout all the pages of the Bible, Old Testament to New Testament. There's law and grace. There's law and grace. If the law binds, then grace frees. So at some level, we know that there's even a movement. Let's, let's unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. But the Old Testament, we know, plays a significant part in our lives as believers, as followers of Jesus. If you recall, it was Jesus Christ himself that stated, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, to, but to fulfill them. So the Old Testament law reveals something to us. Reveals to us the glory of God, the majesty and the greatness of God in a way that nothing else can. Although we're freed from the law, we still teach what Moses wrote in Deuteronomy chapter 6. So that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all of his statutes and his commandments all the days of his life so that your life may be prolonged. Wait a minute, if we're free from it, why do we have to obey it? Is it not King David who said the law of the Lord is perfect? Restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing in the hearts. Wise King Solomon proclaimed the conclusion when all of this has been heard is what fear God and keep his commandment because it applies to every person. 
So we know there's, there's this element of blessing of the law, and yet what was happening, particularly in this setting of Rome, first century, is that the law itself had been turned into an idol. So that faithfulness or attention to the law actually superseded faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we know, thankfully, that Jesus fulfilled every single part of the law that we simply could not do. So we live today under what is referred to as a covenant of grace. We know that we are not, what, required to adhere to the strictest components, the dietary restrictions and the clothing restrictions and the the, the Sabbath restrictions and the festivals. We know that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It's referred to as a covenant of grace. The Old Testament, why it begins narrow and it broadens from the shadows to priests and sacrifices and temples to what? To Jesus. In the Old Testament, we know it begins very narrow from one one family, one nation to what? To the entire church. From every tribe and tongue and nation. Yet at some level we still are subject to the authority of a holy God who calls us to be set apart just as Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we give attention to the Ten Commandments. It's part of the law. We give attention to the Old Testament that teaches us to praise God and sing to God and worship God from the Psalms. But today what happens is that many people still want a written formula. Tell me what, chi- what, what, what box I need to check. Tell me what I need to do. And, and we love tangible tasks as opposed to intangible trust. And what happens with that is that what? It binds us to a strictness and a stiffness of legalistic tendency to show other people how spiritual I am. As we see throughout the book of Romans, there is great, there is tremendous danger to that. Binding what? Restricts us from who God wants us to be. And, and a binding legalism confines us into who we're supposed to serve. Not only do we see the premise, but we see, secondly, this analogy that is given. The analogy is what? For a a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. When her husband dies, she's released from the law of marriage. Like, what what is this in the middle of the book of Romans for? We're talking about law and grace. I cannot remember. I even tried to, I, I cannot remember the precise number of times I have stood before a, a, a smiling and very nervous, kind of sweating young couple and, and stated words that go something like this, we're gathered together in the presence of God instead of these witnesses to join together this man and this woman. And we know what happens. We know the scene. There's, there's music and there's flowers and little adorable Flower girls and ring bearers, and there's weeping mothers, and and there's always this moment. Everything kind of rises to this moment where everything is made official. What is referred to as the marriage 
vows. And it always begins something like this. Do you, do you, handsome, scared to death groom, do you take Miss what? Miss beautiful. I have no idea what I'm getting myself into, bride. Do you take promising to keep, cherish, and protect her, to be her true and faithful husband as long as you both shall live? And then you go down through the vows. Remember? Sickness and health and rich and poor. And it ends again with till death do us part. Which means why it's kind of odd in the midst of this glorious and beautiful celebration. There's a lot of talk about death and dying here. Why is that? Why is that? I can assure you <clears throat> that it's never the first time when they're standing before everyone to exchange vows, I can guarantee you it's never the first time they hear the death part, okay? Because long before that, I remind people in my office through premarital counseling that it is what? There's only one way that you're going to be getting out of this relationship, and it's one of you is going to be in a casket. Remember that. There, there's something, what, that, that binds us together. That's what the commitment is. And that's basically what the Apostle Paul is doing right here. And he's not making some kind of complex allegory out of this. He's just making a simple analogy to marriage and the laws of marriage in order to illustrate a single point. So he uses this to help us understand that the law is binding on a person, what? Only as long as he lives, she lives. Which means that there is no, no person is ever under any jurisdiction of any law when they're dead. I have never seen a speeding ticket on a tombstone before. I've never seen that. So, so, so what is happening here? Now, Paul's not, okay, just to be clear, he's not addressing the subject of divorce here. Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 19, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 7, they all give treatment to that subject. Instead, what the author, the Apostle Paul is calling attention to is the fact, it's very simple. A, a, a woman, if she chooses to join herself to another man, intimately, while her husband is still alive... Or what, we could use it on the, the flip side. If a man joins himself to another woman while his wife is still alive, what's happening? They are committing adultery. They're breaking vows. But to be joined in marriage after one spouse has died is what? It's perfectly legal. And that, that's, what, that's, that's the analogy, the illustration that, that Paul gives. He wants us to learn from this morning. Why? Number three, because... Of the next part, because of the promise. Here's the good news that we, we rise to this morning. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ. 
Remember you see the word likewise? Some translations will use the word therefore. Look back to see what it's there for. It always marks a transition from analogy to what do we have here to application. With little doubt. Little doubt. The main thrust, the main portion of our text this morning is, is not to the binding law, but to the liberating message of grace that is offered by the fulfillment of the law through the Lord Jesus Christ. Great reformer Martin Luther said that the basic function of the law, the basic function of the law is to lead us to Christ. John Calvin actually expanded upon that by describing three specific things that the law does. What does the law, why do we have the Old Testament? What is the purpose here? Number one, it reveals the character of God. God is the one who has the right to say what? Thou shall or thou shalt not. This, this, this law reveals to us the character of God. Jesus, what, comes and he fulfills that. When he says in Matthew chapter 28, 28 what? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. See how it points to Jesus? Calvin also says another purpose of the law is to what? It serves to restrain us from our own sin. Which means that we live, it's very obvious, look around us, you don't have to look hard, look long, a broken world all around us demands at some level, it demands order, it demands structure, or absolute chaos ensues. Therefore, what? Jesus fulfills this when he says, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Jesus continues on in John chapter 12. I have come into the world as light so that, that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. So Jesus himself is still calling us to live a certain way. What else does the law do? It shows us what is pleasing to God. That holiness matters today. Righteousness still matters today. Although we are free from the binding restrictions, what? Being held captive by the law, we still, what? Live under, we talked about this last week, as servants of righteousness to live in such a way. We have an obligation to live in conformity to what? To the scriptures, being sensitive to the leading of the Spirit of God, so that we live a life that is fully pleasing to God Himself. Jesus fulfills this and frees us to please Him when He preaches what? The amazing Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. And in the very midst of that, Jesus says, What? And this is strange. You must be perfect. As your heavenly Father is perfect. Now how, now how, how? Thus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, through his sacrificial death on the cross, paying what? For our sins, making atonement, freeing us to serve and live in full holiness. Christ has forgiven us to freedom, so we are compelled to ask, well, freedom... For what? Like, like so, so we're free now. We're no longer, but for what? Fourthly and finally, the application. This is where we park for a minute. 
Look at what it says in verse 6. So that all of this, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit. Three words. So we serve. So we serve. So we serve. That word serve, delulo. If you remember, does that at all sound familiar? Last week we looked at this idea of a servant or a slave. Remember the word was doulos? So they're, they're very, very closely connected. Which means what? I know you may have drifted off. I want you to come back. Here we are. I want you to write this down. You got a piece of paper and a pen? I want you to write this down. I want you to remember this. Okay, this is Bob Newhart. Remember this? Here it is. Servants serve. Write that down. Delulo, serve. Who does that? Well, a doulos does that, a servant. So it's very simple. That's what we do. I left off just last week. What? Being a slave to sin leads to great bondage. Being a servant to righteousness leads to greater blessing, which means what? It's actually a blessing for us to live in the freedom of grace so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit. Isn't that interesting? Now, now the blessing part is what? That's the happiness. It's interesting that so many people today, particularly in the last year, describe themselves as being so unhappy. Isn't that interesting? The word blessing, Makarios actually talks about this idea of being happy, that we actually get happy as servants when we are obedient in our serving. All of what Jesus Christ has done for us, freeing us from the Old Testament captivity of being bound by, by legalistic restrictions, so that in a breath of fresh air, we are free to serve Serving as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ is expected. As the sun shine, shines, serve and serve. As what? As rain falls, followers of Jesus, Christians, they serve. We could go through this long list as leaves turn color, as, as pigs stink as cats are creepy people who are freed from their sin through the work of the lord jesus christ we serve that's what we do we get up how can i serve my lord and savior this morning this is not this is not don't ever believe that i hope one day i'm going to be spiritual enough so I can serve. No, it's not speaking about that. This is not like, I hope that one day I'm really going to lock into that Bible. When I really understand that Bible, then I'm going to serve. No, that's not what it's talking about. It's not what it's talking about. I just hope that one day my schedule loosens up just a little bit and I will have enough time in my busy schedule so I can serve. No, that's not what this is talking about here. I hope that one day my, my house is in order, my house is clean enough, my kids are well behaved, my clothes are ironed. 
I hope that one day my hair is a good hair day. I have enough gas in my car. And I'm not stressed so I can serve. No, that's not what this is talking about. I want to be careful here. I don't want to get too amped up, okay? But I think there is a great, I think there is a grave misunderstanding about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Some, somehow, I don't, know, I don't know how, somewhere along the line, someone lied and, I think, and misled you, misled a lot of people to believe that a church is a place as opposed to a group of people. So somebody misled you to think that. Somebody misled you to think that church is confined in the strictness of a building as opposed to people who what? Who have been called, set apart. We've set apart to do what? What does Jesus say? Follow me, take up your cross and follow. Take up your cross and follow me. You could read what? Take up your cross and serve. You, you want to follow Jesus? I want, you, I want you to take up your cross. I want you to give. Like that's what we do. I want you to take up your cross. I want you to sacrifice for the work of the gospel. So some, someone lied to people to think to, that, that people are buying some, some, some twisted truth that the church is about you getting as opposed to you giving. And that's totally, totally wrong. It's totally wrong. I went to the, to the store and I, I bought all the ingredients to, 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 to bake some brownies. And, and I went home and I, and I baked the brownies and I drove them to the church and I brought them in to give to the kids that were meeting at the church and no one said Thank you. So I don't know if this whole serving thing is for me. No one said thank you. Like I can't believe the people at church. They're pretty mean people. And so that's, that's kind of the twisted idea. Uh, let me assure you of something. Let me assure you of this. When the Lord Jesus Christ himself was dying on the cross for your sin, no one stopped to say, thank you. And that's, that's at some level, that's the depth of our serving. So that we serve in the new way of the Spirit. Can I, can I just be honest here? I am shocked at the number of times that Pastor Josh has had to continue to announce, uh, we have some openings here, we need people to serve. And I asked, how, how can we still, how can we have these same announcements? And he said, well, because there's nobody filling the slots. 
I, I, wait a minute, there's a, I see a lot of people on a regular basis. And, and I hear, I don't know, I don't see them, but I hear there's a lot of other people that are listening. Like, how come they're not serving? I don't understand this. That's what we do. As what cats are creepy, Christians serve. It's simple. So you look around. Yeah, we're looking for some people to like drive the van, pick up people. Why, why has it been six weeks? Excuse me, does, does nobody have a clean driving le- a record out there? Is that the issue? Like, I don't fully understand this, and I'm not, I'm not being flippant. Like, I truly don't understand. Why is it that, that, that Mike and Sierra are saying, yeah, we don't have enough people here. We're, it's really tight on trying to run junior church, and we got the same people looping in and out every three weeks because we don't have enough people serving. Like, I don't understand that. As cats are creepy, Christians, what? Serve. It's not that difficult. There's needs all over the place. Just like, would you please just like sign a card to send to someone and say, we miss you and we love you and how are you doing? Call somebody, text somebody. We need youth, youth workers and children's workers, people who want to answer phone calls or make brownies, for goodness sake. No one says thank you. We're still living by being bound. Just tell me what I need to do in order to do it, and people will be impressed with how spiritual I am. No, 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 no. We are to what? We serve in a new way as the Spirit leads. The church pleads, and the world needs. The world has so many needs around us. What, What is that going to look like? Again, what Scripture guides us all the way through Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, well, fill in that blank. We have lots of opportunity here. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Listen to this. Especially to those that are of the household of faith. I do believe, I do honestly believe that there's serving that's going on, so please don't, don't, I'm not throwing everything out here, okay? My concern is, is that we have a small pocket of people that are being worn, and they're serving, they're serving, they're serving, and serving, and we're a serving church, but we have a small pocket of people where there's a large number of people, like, yeah, stars aren't lined up right for me. Bad hair day. That's, that's my concern. We're to serve, James chapter 1, verse 27 says, religion that is pure, like we want to do this right, religion that is undefiled before God the Father is this, visit the orphans and the widows in their affliction and, and keep oneself unstained from the world. There's still a call for us to be holy in the midst of our serving. Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 25, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Like there's a list here of what it looks like. Jesus says what? I say to you as you did it to one of the least of these. My brothers, my dear loved ones, my sisters, you did it for me. People, we are to serve in freedom and to serve in joy because of what Jesus has done for us. Final question is what? Are you doing that? Like that's a yes, no answer. It's a yes, no answer.
serving in freedom and serving in joy because of all that Jesus has done for us. And we're still waiting for it to be perfect and us to get a pat on the back before we engage. I have no idea. I have no idea what this year is going to hold. You, you don't have any idea. I know that we have been given an opportunity like no other time to come alongside and to minister encouragement to people who are in desperate need of it. So what I would encourage you to do is at this very moment, don't listen to a person. Listen to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to you. And Lord willing, either what comforts you to say, be faithful, continue on if you are serving, or else the Holy Spirit convicts you to say, you better get your tail in gear. And I say that with the utmost of love and care and respect. See what Jesus Christ has done for us, freeing us to serve. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way. So important is this message. We're actually going to um, close our service a little bit differently than normal. I, I think it's an important season for us as a church to just kind of pause and kind of examine our own heart. And so we're going to take a few minutes to do that. You know that awkward silence? It's going to be awkward silence, maybe for a moment or two. That's okay. Because I think there has to be a moment where we don't just what hear, but we do. We receive truth, and we allow it to kind of what? Saturate our hearts. So we respond in action. I'm, I'm going to finish up, and, and Pastor Stewart is actually going to come, and he's going to lead us for a moment. I know that we've been spending time in corporate prayer as a body. What's interesting is... Again, it's a fraction. It, it's, it's a small portion that really must understand the importance of prayer. And so we're just going to stay together as family. That's what families do. We just stay together. We're going to spend a few moments in prayer. In, in silence for the Spirit to speak to our heart and to search our heart. And to pray for one another. And pray that God would free us. We understand what it means to, to live as what? Free followers of Jesus so that we serve. Pastor, would you come now? And then after he leads us, just in a brief moment of prayer, uh, Matt's going to come with the team and close us in worship song. May the Lord bless. We're reminded in James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25, to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Um, so let's do just that. I gather up um, with your family beside you. You can pray by yourself or the people on either side of you. And we're just going to take this time to briefly pray for what we've just discussed and to put into action in our own lives. Um, so there will be slides coming up that you'll be able to see the prayer topics. I'll be announcing them as they come on up. Um, and at the end, again, uh, we'll have Matt come and lead us in worship. So gather now and pray.
Um, we're going to start by praying that we would recognize our freedom from sin and the law. Let us pray that we use this freedom to faithfully serve and live in a new way for Christ. Let us pray that the Holy Spirit would open our eyes to ways we can serve and love our family, church, and neighbors.
God, thank you. Thank you that we have the freedom to gather here as brothers and sisters openly and freely to worship and to learn about you. Uh, thank you for Pastor Tim for teaching your word this morning. And God, our prayers is that we don't do what it says in James 1, that we look at our face in the mirror and forget what we look like, but that we not only hear the word, but that we do it. As he said, servants serve. That God, we, we empowered by your Holy Spirit would pour out our lives for those around us, not only within our family, our neighbors, but especially those within the body of Christ. Let this not be something we hear and then walk out the door and forget at lunch, but something that we put into practice and actively look towards doing, not only for the moment, for the rest of our lives. As we wrap up, help us to honor you in worship. Help us to become more like your son. In your name we pray, amen. And as the band uh, comes up here, um, if you don't know where you can serve or, or what you can possibly do, by all means, feel free to see myself or Pastor Josh, and we would love to get you connected uh, with the place that you can serve within the body.